Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. The Quilted Bananas program plays every Sunday, 10 to 11am, with news, views and music. A collective of presenters, advertisers, community events and discusses news of interest to lesbians, queer women and non-binary folk. We have interviews about past and future sports and cultural events, politics, films, art shows. The programme is sponsored through the generosity of the Rural Foundation. And it plays every Sunday from 10 to 11am on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Quilter Bananas. It would be Sue and Fiona again. It is. Yeah. And um, we're on 106.1 FM and we're funded with a kind uh, donation from or grant from the Rural Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So Sue's just getting her. I'm just jumbling, uh, jumbling my... Um, her cords All at my the moment. Cords. Yeah. Um, and at some point I'll find a microphone. Um, So one of the things that we, well one of the great things today is that we have Kim Hunt in the studio today and uh, welcome Kim, if you'd like to say hello. G'day Sue and Fiona, it's great to be here. Cool. Um, And the other thing of course is that it is Halloween and so just to kick off so that we can get all our ducks in a row and other types of things and get things sorted, uh, we're just going to play a track which I think will um, speak to uh, that spooky side, well, that cult side, I guess, cult in a, cult in a good way, of... Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a cult... A thing. cult favourite, yeah. A cult favourite from our era. It is, it is, yeah. Okay, so... Oop, and here we go. Astounding Time is fleeting Madness Takes its toll But listen closely Not for very much longer I've got to Keep control Mind flip. 
You're into the time slip And nothing can ever be the same You're spaced out on sensation Like you're under And that was the Rocky Horror because it's Halloween and we're on the radio today. Uh, it's Sue and Fiona on Quilter Bananas, 106.1 FM. And in the studio today we have Kim Hunt. Welcome, Kim. Hi, great to be here. Um, and uh, one of the things that we've been enjoying this week is taking a look at your, your book. You're an author. Yeah, tell, tell us a bit about the um, the book that was it was nominated for the NIOS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nominated and uh, and then shortlisted in the uh, best best new novel category. Um, so that felt like um, climbing the mountain for me. Yeah, did it? Yeah, yeah getting shortlisted with. With those other um, writers, Chris, Rose, Alan, and Karina, yeah. So um, yeah, and and they had the uh, awards last night. It was a bit of a feat, I think. Craig Sisterton and uh, Danny V of Words and and Nerds podcast coordinating. You know, people in New Zealand, Australia, the UK, the US, all over the place. They did a great job because normally it would have been held at um, Word in Christchurch, but it couldn't happen because of COVID. Yeah, Word has been delayed, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, from my from my alternate role, I, uh, uh, my day job, I know that uh, Craig Sisterson is that his name? Yeah. yeah, he does an amazing job um, basically getting information out there, though, does he? He virtually single-handedly, I mean, he would say, I'm sure he doesn't do it totally on his own, but really he has done so much in terms of promoting New Zealand crime writing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really kind of put us on the map. His own book, um, Southern Cross Crime, is like a a, a list of you know, a, a historic list of, of, of crime fiction down under. He's just done an incredible job and, um, yeah, really put us on the map. So we owe, owe him a great debt of, 
of gratitude. Well, tell us a wee bit about about your book and the main character and uh, and the one that was nominated. Although I I know that there's a follow up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've um, the book that was nominated uh, is called The Beautiful Dead. It was published by Bloodhound Books UK. Uh, it was published in. To 20, 2020, um, which made it eligible for this year's awards. But of course, um, my book came out when COVID mm. hit, so I didn't have a launch or anything. But uh, anyway, uh, not much you can do about that. But uh, the book features Cal Nix. She's the protagonist. She's a park ranger in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Um, so... She gets to move around the landscape a fair bit. Um, she's not solely based in the bush and the parks. Uh, a lot of the novels also set in inner city Sydney, but she has a kind of band of um, uh, of buddies who help her when when she needs. But, but anyway, what happens is she finds a body in the bush, and it turns out. Uh, the the remains are pretty um, badly decomposed, but once the body's identified, it it turns out to be someone she knew. Uh, and so when the police investigation begins, um, she also becomes a bit of a suspect because of that and also because of something about her past that the police trip across. Yeah. Mm. So I, Cal's... Uh, um, she she's wanting to know what's happened because it was a friend of hers, but yeah, she's also under the spotlight a bit. So yeah, so that puts quite a lot of um, urgency on on her clearing her name almost, and yep. she's ended up being a suspect. Yeah, and so she's doing those two things at the same time. She's trying to sort of. Um, Move around the place because because the you know the body was found in the bush, um, but she is being watched by the police as well. Mm. One in particular, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that Sue and I talked about on the way into the into town today was about the fact that you know um, I, I mentioned just before uh, we came on air that I kind of uh, I'm kind of reading a lot of crime fiction at the moment and so in the past has. And I guess part of it is that kind of gritty urban kind of um, often kind of um, milieu, I guess. Yeah. Whereas yours is very much kind of in the bush and it's really evocative as well. That's uh-huh. that's what I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's quite – and I kind of wonder, the ones that I've read before where that's, where that's been – have been Australian books. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, it's got a real sense of place, um, and I'm guessing that that's you know an area that you know well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also got a real sense of space, mm. and um, I'm kind of wondering how that how that is writing with that sense of space where you know often a murder is is all quite. Compressed. I'm sort of thinking like yeah. the Sarah Paretsky ones are, are like all in small, small spaces. Yeah. Um, did you find that sort of? Um, I'm thinking connecting up those 
those large spaces within within a small space of reading. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, did you sort of have that um, that sense of space as something that you particularly wanted to capture in the um, book? Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, thanks, Sue, for that. It's always interesting hearing how other people r- read the book. Um, I spent... Um, nearly 25 years on and off in Australia and I spent a lot of time up in the Hawkesbury region which is actually a vast area which is a a nexus of three huge separate um, park areas and um, I was living in a van at the time with my two dogs, and um, I I couldn't afford Sydney rent. I was working part-time at the Writers' Centre, and I spent a lot of time up in the bush because living in a van, I mean, I could park up in parks all the time with the dogs and whatnot, but, you know, I need to get away and stuff. So I was driving around up there a lot, and um, there are some particular roads up there that... Just especially for a Kiwi, because the the distances here they're often hard to get to because of rugged country. But you know they're quite short distances. Whereas Australia, I mean New Zealand would fit on, you know, the edge of a, a tiny piece of New South Wales map. So I'm glad that that you've sort of registered that the the idea of space is is very much evoked in that narrative because you get up on the top of these ridges up near the Blue Mountains and and those areas up the Hawkesbury and as far as you can see it's just bush and there are no roads through it or anything and because it's on the borders it's not that desert expanse or anything it is actually bush because they they do have rainfall there and and whatnot yeah yeah I I think that was quite um really does sort of stand out quite early in the narrative, actually. It's sort of um, kind of get almost pulled my head into the, into you know, no, you're in this yeah. in this enormous space here. Yeah. yeah, and I think the way that you kind of wrote it as well is really evocative, like just particularly um, there's a scene after um, uh, someone she knows dies right at the very beginning yeah. where... Um, uh, she's driving back to where she's staying and just kind of that scene of kind of, you know, just um, that grief and driving and get, trying to go really fast and just kind of get somewhere. And it's I thought the way that you kind of wrote how you um, kind of – that bridging those distances, I guess, was really interesting to me as well. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just um, – the parts at the beginning about kind of driving and then walking and walking and walking and you yeah. know yeah 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 does that because um, because uh, uh, the other thing I noticed was that your style is quite um, you know it's kind of it gets there to the point quite quickly so mm. it's I I don't I don't much like a lot of messing around um, <laughs> but but you're doing that within the space um, do you find that um, when you're when you're writing, that that space also affects the story itself. Um, mm. So the, the 
that that you've got these sort of almost enforced spaces into the story. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think... I, I, don't, I, should, I should say this is just for myself, but I don't think it's that uncommon. When, when people confront the, the, the immensity of the space in Australia, particularly people, I think, who come from Europe or Asia, like it's quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a... There's a there's a fear element about that because it's like this huge unknown. It's like what's out there. I think a lot of people feel that. That, that um, yeah. And also about how the um, the main character as well is um, uh, very much um, kind of uh, prepared for all eventualities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. She's totally can do. I mean, she's got a Ranger truck which is kitted out you know, pretty well for driving around because she's on her own most of the time. But she's a very resourceful, can-do kind of action character and um, she's not she, she's not overly daunted by a lot of things. I mean, she's not, she's not without fears and phobias and whatnot, but she's a pretty practical, capable person. Well, yeah, I guess one of the other things that I noticed was about um, how um, uh, she's very much in her, into her car oh, God, and, yes. and cars are, but I think that's reflected uh, in your own your own life, right? <laughs> it's a real indulgence. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so good being able to to have that in the story that she, yeah. she has this, you know, kind oh. of custom hot rod yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then in the next sentence, oh, you know, just for her aunt, she's, you know, sort of fixing up the shed next door. So, <laughs> so you know, her aunt can rent it out as, a, as some kind of, you know, weekend getaway kind of thing. So, yeah. so right at the very beginning, she's really established as a very much a DIY person, right? She, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she really cool. She's very at home on the tools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so I guess in terms of cars, I mean, you know, like you've always been a car person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. I was looking at some old photos the other day because I, I want to do another blog post. I do blogs on my website, and um, I started doing these little blog posts about different cars and bikes that I've owned. And I was looking at these photos the other day of a couple of the cars that I had in Oz that I haven't written about yet. And my God, I'm I'm so young and one of these pictures, I think I've got a real <laughs> mullet hairdo. <laughs> um, but it, I, when I look at, at the price of some of those cars now, because they're considered classics now, like EK Holdens, FB Holdens, um, XM Ford, you know, stuff like that, and they've all kind of slipped through my fingers. I couldn't hold on to them all. But, yeah, one of them I pulled the engine out in a paddock with a rope over a tree. I'd never done it before. I mean, wow. I'd, I'd have a go at anything oh, wow. then. So was this in Australia or was this here in New Zealand? That was in Australia. I went there first when I was about 23. Oh, wow. And I was there for about 18 years. Wow. Then came back, mm. then went back, then came back. Right, yeah. So how long have you been back in New Zealand now? Uh, about 2000, about seven or eight years. Right, yeah. 
Oh, wow. So you must have had some cars that you, or did you ship them over from Australia? I did ship. <laughs> I have I have shipped some vehicles, both, both bikes. I brought a Harley over here from Oz. I took a Triumph Custom bike from here over to Oz, and I brought an Austin ute that was my work ute. I was working as a floor and wall tiler, and it was a 1950s ute, if you think, one of those little really rounded yeah, little yeah. vehicles. Yeah. But I had to carry sand and cement and tiles and tools, so the poor old original engine, you know, wasn't really up to it. And so I put a um, Datsun 180B engine in it and Holden Tirana steering and <laughs> diff and, uh, yeah, different fat wheels and mm. whatnot, yeah. I saw that was recently for sale on Trade Me, actually, so I had a little bit of nostalgia <laughs> seeing that. And, but you weren't tempted, huh? Oh, don't, don't have the money, but I've mm. got my um, I've got an old car at the moment, so mm. yeah. I mean, mm. if if I won lot, I'd I'd have a series of garages <laughs> full of them, but you know. <laughs> but I guess as part of it as well as that. That kind of idea of distance in the, in Australia as well is that you need to have a reliable car, you need to have confidence in your car and that kind of thing. And, you know, um, it, yeah, I guess that, that kind of ties in too, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. That being able to rely on yourself. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember doing a trip across the Nullarbor with some friends years ago and you, you had to carry about three or four spare tyres and you would go through them, you know, because of the heat. Wow. You know, on those roads. You can't see our faces on. <laughs> but we're looking, I'm looking pretty surprised. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I got very good at changing tyres. I could do them in, like, you know, wow. five and ten minutes. No worries. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking you didn't take them off the rim in that time as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> see, you know what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> Stick them all up and, uh, yeah. yeah. I think um, those kind of things are uh, quite quite a sort of foreign concept to um, to New Zealanders, much less to um, people who are sort of from more urban settings. Oh, so right. it adds to that sort of, um, yeah. adds to the sort of you know, story framing of the book. Yeah. Um, have you always spent a lot of time in the bush? You'd obviously yeah. lived there for... Yeah. For some time, was it? Yeah. And travelling across the Nullarbor, yeah. um, has I, that yeah. been, been where your life's been in particular? In the bush. Yeah. Um, I I did travel quite a bit there when I was first there back in, I, I first went there in 81, so it was the year of the Springbok tour. So I wasn't in New Zealand when... All of that, only at the beginning mm. of that, and then all the homosexual law reform stuff. I wasn't here for any of that, but I was involved in a lot of different activist kind of stuff in Oz, um, probably around land rights and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I did travel a lot, and I actually lived in the bush um, on the women's land. I don't know oh, if right. anyone here has heard of it, but there was yeah. land... Um, in sort of mid-north New, New South Wales and um, they'd collected, the Women's Liberation Movement had collected money for years to buy some land and um, there were these three sort of pockets of land up there. So I did live there for a while and um, built a little shelter and 
and whatnot. So, yeah, that was a pretty magical time. I was there with my uh, my dog, Sophie, and, um, yeah, uh, I did that and I did a bit of traveling, but that was that was the only place where I really lived in the bush, in the bush, in the bush, like really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some books on that in lilac, so... Um, Possibly ah, on the okay. um, women's land, whether it's the same one, because yeah. I think there's little patches of women's land all around the place, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, could but be. Yeah. We're going to have an attempt at some music, I oh, think. Cool. Yeah, Sue and I have just, Sue's just showed me a, a track that I think came from Kim, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so so, so which one is it? So this should be. Uh-huh. Toots and the Maytails. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, so What's the track name? Oh, Fiona. Fiona. It, it's 5446 uh-huh. was my number. Right. And it was this mentioned in the actual, in the book? She does mention Toots and the Maytails. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> right. Here we go. Did you not miss her?
And that was Toots and the Maytels. Uh, 5446 was my number. And uh, Fiona and Sue are in the studio, 106.1 FM, called Bananas on Wellington Access Radio, with Kim Hunt, uh, who's a, a Naya Marsh finalist uh, for this year for um, her book. Um, beautiful. Beautiful. Dead. Dead. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I had a moment. Of, yeah. Um, Thanks for that track, which is and Toots and the Maytales mentioned in the book. So, yeah, so. Uh, so um, I think one of the things that I'd noticed quite some years ago was just how many queer writers, lesbian writers, uh, gay men writers um, inhabit the world of of um, crime fiction, um, that, mm. that there's, there's such, a, such a great, you know, foundation really from from sort of Nio Marsh, and then you've got the the Nio Marsh Awards, mm. um, and and I'm always a bit curious one one as to why lesbians write great murders, <laughs> <laughs> and and two whether that um, whether that be, that placement as an outsider um, enables. Um, your writing, or whether that informs your writing, um, to what extent is is that part of your writing, or and to what extent is it just something on the side? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think being um, an outsider, it, you know, for any reason, is a really useful thing for a writer because. Um, if you're on the margins, your your perspective is quite different to a, a sort of mainstream perspective, I guess. Um, so, yeah, and and because I moved countries as well, and I came from a different culture. Like I, I know, you know, New Zealand and Australia are both. Um, you know, colonies of Britain and had a lot of the same kind of horrible stuff associated with that. But they're also very different cultures. And so I was aware of that when I lived there, that there were so many historic things that that someone who's grown up in a, in a culture, it, it's all embedded in them. I didn't have that. So um, I was always kind of feeling like an outsider in that sense. Um, now I've forgotten what the question was. Oh, crime fiction and, and being, uh, you know, queer writers, crime fiction. Um, one of the things I love about crime fiction is it's such a broad church or, you know, the, it's there are just so many different... Um, styles and forms within crime fiction but you know whichever one you pick whether it's a you know a police procedural or a psychological thriller or an amateur sleuth or or whatever and I mean there are only three sort of um it's it's like there's so much room to move within those you know that framework that skeleton um, th there's almost anything you could kind of hang on that. So, yeah. 
I was uh, curious in an interview that I read with you where you talked about um, how um, you write about a place that you're not in, basically, and so writing about Australia here, do you think um, there's something in that as well about kind of being outside looking in kind of thing? Yeah, or or I think I even described it as um, writing from remembering and... You know, obviously I don't do that consciously, but it just seems easier to me. Like when I was in Aussie, so much of what I wrote was about this place here. And I, you know, (laughs) I I missed here. I missed the physical place and the culture of here. But, you know, now I'm here, there are things I really miss about Aussie as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum because, I mean, I so want to write something set here but it it really does feel more comfortable to me to write about, about a place where I'm not actually there and I don't know why that is I haven't really figured that out but that's yeah. really interesting isn't it yeah yeah yeah, wow. yeah I think um what what you sort of have with with a more speculative fiction is that you've got you've got that that distance that's provided by this is a this is a completely created world and environment. Mm. Um, you, you haven't got that if you're bringing it into a into a um, more more real, and you, you're gearing this off a real um, situation. Um, maybe maybe you need a bit, little bit of that distance just to to let the uh, story run. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. And actually, I think as a reader as well, I mean, you know, when I think about some of the books that I've been reading lately, like the latest one I'm reading is about, um, is set on Sandy, which is the, or Sandy, which is the northernmost island of the Orc- Orkneys. Um, oh, and yeah. it's somewhere where my ancestors come from. So yeah. it's kind of interesting as well. Um, yeah. So, and there's this kind of sense of, like, I don't tend to read a lot of New Zealand fiction myself. Um, and I think, although, you know, sometimes it's really nice to kind of see familiar places, but I guess part of it is about kind of that that sense of the other, I guess. Mm. And I guess that ties into speculative fiction, right? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, have you always worked in um, writing sort of that murder um, or mystery um, type um, genre, yeah. or have you um, written... From other genres as well. Yeah, um, not at all. I, the Beautiful Dead really was the first one where I sat down and I was consciously writing crime fiction. Um, I like reading it, uh, although you know Agatha Christie was pretty much the only kind of crime fiction I read as a kid, but um, there's some because the stakes are. Kind high in crime fiction I think um, you know that's a, a real way in in terms of tension and, and you know yeah what's at stake um, what um, made you decide to, to change over so you, had you kind of done more literary fiction before that um, I was I was writing um, literary fiction manuscripts when I was at uni um, so when I was doing my undergraduate Degree. A, a lot of the material I wrote was dark, but I it just didn't occur to me to 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 write crime fiction. And 
uh, one of my tutors actually suggested it to me and I kind of had picked up that that kind of, um, I don't know what you could call it, this uh, just a sort of prejudice, I guess, to, to genre fiction as mm-hmm. though it's lesser somehow. Yeah, I think... I think there is that kind of sense of it uh, out there, which I think is a real shame because you know there's beauty in in all of these these works, you know, um, and real robustness. I as a librarian, I you know, I, personally I enjoy genre fiction, and but I I know that there's a, a snobbishness about it, which yeah. is a real shame. Yeah. And obviously, there's parts of um, literary fiction which is. Um, which does include kind of it includes crime elements, but for some reason there seems to be this kind of you know yeah and it, yeah and it, it, it's not as though um, any genre fiction is without literary merit. You know, there's good literary fiction and there's crappy literary fiction, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. completely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. So. Um, the, I think I saw on your blog that there's a, or uh, maybe on your website that there's a, a sequel already written, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Quarry is the the next one in the series, and I've I've started the next one after after that as well. So, um, yeah, I think she's a great character, and people seem to like her, and she's she's got some really interesting mates as well, and. So, you know, I, I think there's another story or two in her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it the characters that drive that storytelling once you've got the character or is it the story that sort of picks up the characters and carries them along? Uh, yeah. Mm. It's a bit of both, really, I think. Um, I guess once... Cal is immersed in the in the hunt. Um, I, I have a, a, an, you know, a bit of an outline when I begin, a bit of a plot outline of the, the main sort of points, but there's room within there for you know, each character to respond to whatever is, is happening. So is that what they kind of call plotses versus pantses yeah. or something? I read that, well, I heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. so... Some people plot things really out, and other people just go by the seat of their pants. Yeah. But it sounds like you do a ver- kind of a middle yeah. bit in between. There. I do. I do a bit of vote. I do much more plotting now than I used to because I can't stand having to. Because I'm, you know, I mean, a plot has to make sense in a crime fiction. Things have to have a logic, but um, I don't like um, rewriting to things, you know, if you go too far awry, I mean, rewriting, you've got to do so much revision anyway, but if you're trying to make a plot work that, you know, that's got holes in it, I mean, I just, that's a complete headache for me, so I, I'm a bit more rigorous with my outline <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these days. All right. Hey, I was thinking maybe it's time for some music. What do you think? Reckon? Yeah. Should sure. we go for it? Yeah? yeah. Okay. So we have Jimi Hendrix, I think. Is that yeah? And yeah. what's the track? Do you L- want to? Little Wing. <laughs>
Jimi Hendrix with Little Wing is oh, oh goodness we've moved on we have moved on uh, that was a sneak preview of the next song by the way <laughs> um, but that was a choice from um, uh, from Kim who's come in here today to talk about her book uh, The Beautiful Dead so I think um, your choice you said your choices were from mentioned in the book yeah all of them yeah all of them appear there at some point yeah it's, uh, I shall look forward to hitting those bits if I haven't. I don't <laughs> think I've hit them yet. <laughs> um, we were talking in, yeah. in the break. We were talking about um, about your character, um, and and I'll, I'll I'll put the Patsy question, which is: Is that someone you know? Cal. Mm. Oh. Uh, no, I wish I did. Um, yeah, I've never. So is Cal you? No, not <laughs> me. Um, w- wish, wish it was. Cal's much more of a dynamo than me, braver than me, taller than me, better looking than me. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I was writing someone that I I guess I would have liked to have seen in books that I read. She's kind of not like anyone I ever read about. And, um, yeah, so that's that's the fun part for me, writing writing her, yeah. And so um, in terms of uh, kind of finishing the manuscript and sending it off to – did you send it off to an editor? I mean, how, how does it all work, you know? Um, I worked with, on that manuscript, I worked with Renee, who's mm, a, yeah. very, you know, and she very generously um, uh, sort of mentored me through that uh, novel. And so I was getting great input all the way through. And then, yeah. Because wasn't Renee um, teaching a crime fiction uh 
uh, online course or she a was. course. Yeah, because I, 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 I saw her at um, Verb a couple of years ago yeah. talking about how she thought she would better write yeah. one if she was going to teach about it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. hilarious. Um, she's literally been teaching up until, you know, the last month or so. Mm. hasn't stopped teaching mm. or her own writing. So, yeah, there's another dynamo for you, uh, another five-foot-two dynamo. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't actually take her crime writing course. I met Renee because I was her gardener when I came back oh, here. Wow. Yeah, I was still able to work as a gardener, and that's how I met mm. Renee. Wow, yeah. isn't that a fantastic yeah. story? Yeah. Wow. So we had the shared love of gardening before we sort of connected oh, with nice. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> so she kind of uh, gave you feedback on it, and oh, totally, yeah, and yeah, kind of a lot of you, guidance, right? Yeah. And you kind of work through it and that kind of thing, and then and then how do you go about finding a publisher? How does that? Or did uh, you already have one? I didn't at that point. Um, so I, yeah, I had Renee. I had feedback from a couple of other readers, and then you know, so it's just polishing, 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 and then yeah, sending it out to publishers, which is a very long, slow process, but um, it got picked up quite quickly, actually. So, um, and then it was all go, go, go. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> and so kind of uh, one thing I was curious about, because, you know, I'm always looking for new authors yeah. um, to read, is so um, what are the authors that you read then? Uh, what? Are, who are your favourite um crime fiction writers or literary fiction writers All as right. well. Yeah. Um, well, oh God, there's, there's so many, you know, there's just so many. But at the, So it's it's often who's my favourite at the moment kind of thing. <laughs> so I love um, Emma Viskich and Aussie, uh, who has the Caleb Zellick character who's deaf. Um, and he's a working-class character, and that's the other thing about Cal. She's a working-class character because um, so many books, the protagonist is middle-class, so that's really important to me. So I absolutely love her stuff, and I love her, and also because they're set in Oz, and um, she has a very spare style, which I like as well. Um, I love uh, Greg Hurwitz. He's an American. His stuff's very, very kind of action-oriented. He writes the Orphan X books. Um, I just think they're fantastic. Annie Proulx, probably my all-time favourite author. I mean, she's the kind of person, you know, I'd open and read a paragraph and had to close the book and put it down. I just think, how did you come up with that? How did you... You know, she just astounds me. Um, and actually, um, with Annie Prawl, I remember reading the shipping news and just that, you know, that vivid kind of picture in my head of Nova, Sto- Nova Scotia from, from reading the shipping news. I was so disappointed when I saw the film. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, just kind of that real sense of space in Nova Scotia, I guess I remember as well. So is yeah. that part of it, do you think, that kind of that world world setting or that that kind of way of describing space and the environment and that, that kind of... Probably. The, um, and, you know, all her um, Wyoming stories. And because when I was a kid, I re- I liked westerns and, and on-the-road kind of stuff and whatnot. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I've always been drawn to that sort of thing. And she writes so many novels in that kind of, not the Wild West so much, but and the characters, these really earthy, gritty people, her descriptions of characters as well as place are just, you know, they just take my breath away. Um, yeah, she's just a ledge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. I think... Um Fiona was telling me a story about <laughs> so so this book is available down in the bookshop in Newtown. Yeah, food, so. food court books, oh, fabulous. Food court. Yeah, and this, Constable Street, right? Yeah, it's this mm-hmm. great little bookshop and mm-hmm. Books and Co up in Ortucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, on the uh, ebook collection at Wellington City Libraries too, oh, as oh. of this week. Oh, excellent. <laughs> already got two holds on it. I missed out. (laughs) Um, I meant to bring in a couple of coffees so you could do a giveaway or something, but I was a bit brain dead this morning. Well, we could always do that later. If you didn't mind, that would be amazing. Yeah, Yeah, because it is a great book. Oh, thank you. And so in in terms of, obviously, these are independent bookshops. So um, where do you kind of see independent bookstores kind of fitting in with kind of um, New Zealand fiction and being able to get messages out there and get your oh, books out there? They're they're amazing. They're so incredible because it's it's not easy getting books distributed. Um, if you if you don't have the backing of one of the big five publishers, and I mean it's understandable because um, bookshops are trying to make a living. But um, yeah, if if you if your publisher isn't um, doesn't have a distribution, in my publishers in the UK, they're mainly an ebook publisher, although they do print on demand. But it's very very difficult to get. So yeah, I'm so happy that those little bookshops, you know, took my book and uh, yeah. You, will you um, be putting it out through Unity as well? Do you think Unity Books in Wellington? Um, I I I don't know if that they um, take books that you know that they can't easily get. Mm-hmm. Through, through, you know, they mm. bookshops book just want to be able to go on the computer. I mean, you can understand why they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, there's just a whole lot of issues around distribution that are, are a problem for, for some authors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And actually, um, I know that uh, in terms of um, publishing, the publishing world generally worldwide, there's a real problem at the moment in terms of paper um, and uh, getting those um, containers out of China as well for the publishers in China, getting the wow. books out of China transport issues there, but also paper as well. Yeah, well, yeah, thank so. God for e-books. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so I think we um, – so whereabouts online can people – obviously they, a, can, yeah. they can borrow it from the library uh, – from Wellington yeah. City Libraries, but yeah. – um, and uh, other li- public libraries who also um, are using the Libby app, the Overdrive collection, they can also add it to their collections as well right. if they want to. Cool. Um, but if people want to buy a copy, which is obviously a better idea for you, yeah. um, where can they buy a copy of the ebook? Is it on Kindle, for example? Can they buy it through yeah. Amazon? Yeah, yeah on Amazon. And um, also on my, if you just go to my website, there's, uh, you can buy the book. Uh-huh. From me, or and what's the what's the website? It's um, www.kimhuntauthor.com. 
Yeah. So we'll post that up. We will do, yeah, yeah. this afternoon. Yeah. Um, I bought mine off Kobo. Oh, well, there we go. Because I thought I'll give that a creek and see if it's on there. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. That's there on Kobo, and if they're an electronic publisher, I'm presuming they'll put them out to yeah. most of those platforms. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, you've got the the thing of distribution, obviously, Whitcalls is kind of mm-hmm. you know, dead terrain for, for trying to get stuff into, but um, yeah. it's good to, um, you know, it's one of the, one of the upsides of, of the awards is that yeah. It gives you that little bit of um, definitely, yeah, exposure, a yeah. little bit of exposure, and makes people curious. Yeah. Um, where it, you can get it, yes, is in lilac. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so there you go. Lilac if has it, a copy. If it yeah. hasn't been burgled by uh, <laughs> by <laughs> others, other people who have come in and already got it. Huh? Yes, and KCDC, I think, has a co- the Paraparumu Library and the Otaki Libraries have paper. Mm-hmm. Copies, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, very good. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. So um, we'll put all the details up on our website of the book and where you can get it from and more details so that people get really enthused just as much as we do. <laughs> we are, I mean. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably um, finish up now, I think. We've got three minutes to go. So uh, I think um, a big thank you to you um, for coming in. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you, Fiona and Sue, and, for uh, your interest. And also the silent person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but she was doing a great little move to uh, the Rocky Horror. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, she was. Actually, there, I completely was, forgot to mention that. There was quite a bit of dancing to Rocky Horror while, while the text... <laughs> well, Fiona and I sort of did the uh, early morning panic. Yes, exactly, cool. yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll finish up. Um, it is Halloween tonight, so I hope whatever you're doing, even if it's in the uh, privacy of your own lounge, um, is, is a good time. Uh, if you do want to do something with Halloween tonight, and um, yeah, we'll uh, have the next person on next week. I can't recall off the top of my head who it is next week, but it's bound to be a good show. So um, yeah, thanks. Thanks everyone for listening in. And, and because we've actually got a recording of this. Yes, we do. It'll come up on Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, oh, sorry. we'll make sure that it's available for, for download. So, yeah, thanks again. Okay. Let's have, let's have some Damien Marley and Skrillex. There we go. Okay, have a good Sunday. Now greetings to the world. Vice of the one big gangzilla alongside Skrillex. Semphono! Ooh-wee! Up the place, turn up the place and make them all have fun. How we have blaze the fire, make it fun them. We must up the place, turn up the place and make some sun boy run. And we will end your week just like a Sunday. We must up the place, turn up the place and make them all have fun. Skrillex a blaze the fire, make it fun them. We must up the place, turn up the place and make some sun boy run. And we will end your week just like a Sunday.
Bananas program plays every Sunday, 10 to 11am, with news, views and music. A collective of presenters, advertisers, community events and discusses news of interest to lesbians, queer women and non-binary folk. We have interviews about past and future sports and cultural events, politics, films, art shows. The program is sponsored through the generosity of the Rural Foundation. And it plays every Sunday from 10 to 11am on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.